Welcome to the Jesuit Schools Network Ignatian Inquiry Podcast and our second episode of the 2022-2023 school year. The JSN seeks to be a supportive resource to our member schools, and this podcast is designed to be just that, a carved out space to listen, learn, and engage with issues that matter to our collective work as Ignatian educators. We're eager to encourage a spirit of inquiry across the many layers of our work in Jesuit education. We envision our particular brand of Ignatian inquiry to be the art of inquiry as seen through our Ignatian lens, asking questions and exploring issues that matter in our schools through the frame of our shared Jesuit mission. Character formation is at the heart of Catholic schooling. Catholic schools, which have earned a strong reputation for advancing the common good, explicitly commit to educating students holistically, nurturing their spiritual, ethical, and moral virtues alongside academic knowledge and skills, as well as socio-emotional well-being. Today, as we discuss how these ideals come to life in all the complexities of our present-day schooling, we're joined by Dr. Andrew Miller and Dr. Martin Scanlon, both faculty members in the Department of Educational Leadership and Higher Education in the Lynch School of Education and Human Development at Boston College. Dr. Miller's research and teaching focus on the ways Catholic schools and their leaders, inspired by Catholic social teaching, provide a transformative and socially just education for students. While Dr. Scanlon's research focuses on the organization routines and practices of adults in schools, looking at how both Catholic and public schools can better serve students who have diverse cultural and linguistic heritages, as well as students with special needs. Together, their research provides an important lens into today's conversation as we look at how Catholic schools incubate innovative and transformative pedagogies of character formation. Dr. Kristen Ross Cully, JSN's Director of Inquiry and New Ventures, joins us for this conversation on such an important topic. Dr. Miller, Dr. Scanlon, and Dr. Cully, welcome to the podcast. How's everyone doing today? Doing great. Doing very well, thank you. Doing great. Thank you, Kristen. And Andrew and Martin, it's terrific to see you both. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. How has the start of the semester been for you? We're already deep into it. The semester has been going gangbusters. Uh, never a dull moment. No rest for the wicked, they say, right? So <laughs> lots of lots of exciting things with teaching, lots of exciting projects, and particularly the one that we're here to talk with you about today has been a real thrill. And uh, my colleague, Merton, um, I know has mentioned this to to you folks before, but I am currently on the tenure track and they give us a semester where they we are just devoted to our research. And so I do miss teaching this semester. I am not teaching this semester and I I kind of miss it. There was no regular, you know, back to school pattern, but it's been very nice to be able to focus on this study and other works uh, that, that I've got going on right now. And so it's been a different pace, but still enjoying the foliage here in New England as much as possible this fall. And that interplay of teaching and research, right? That's really what we're kind of talking quite a bit about here. And uh, I'm curious before we get into your study, so how is it feeling at the university level post-pandemic-wise? Is it, there's so much conversation at the secondary and pre-secondary level of our schools of uh, getting back to normal, whatever that means. How is that feeling at the, at the higher ed level? I think that it's, it's a, it's a struggle and 
it's a struggle to redefine how are we in community and what are some of the ways that we recover from the isolation that we've had over the pandemic? What are some ways that we draw from some of the unexpected gifts of the pandemic in terms of new ways of thinking about being community and rethinking how we can do that with greater intentionality? One of the things that I've really appreciated about our department, our educational leadership and higher education department is we're very, very aware of who our students are and who our advisees are. And these are people who work for universities, who work for K-12 schools in leadership roles or aspiring leadership roles. And I think that what has kept us grounded and has made us recognize like the, the institutional privilege that a faculty member at a university, especially a university like BC has, um, pales in comparison to the stress of running these organizations, right, which so many of our students and advisees have to do. Um, and so it's, you know, we just, the, the fact that we have access to these rich conversations with students, that we've been able to talk to students and advisees, walk with them through their struggles, um, you know, it's it, the, the constant refrain that we hear from them is we are adapting to circumstances and things are better organizationally than they were in 2020, 2021. But, you know, it, it's, we, we still need as much support as you can give us. And can you find ways to help us? And so I, I have really appreciated our department's efforts to, to really focus on, okay, here are our students and advisees. We can't do everything, but can we work with these folks or other folks that we're connected to? Um, because yeah, the, the, just the organizational adaptation on top of the personal and professional traumas that people are experiencing. Uh, it's, it's been a lot. And so we've tried in our own way to, um, you know, use our retreat time, as Martin said, to think about who are we, how are we doing, and then how can we continue to support our communities? Just this morning, I had at 7.30 this morning, a teacher, uh, a current student on the phone dealing with certain things in her context, some stresses that she's having. And uh, tomorrow I'm talking with the principal, an alumni who's uh, had called, reached out to myself and some other colleagues with, uh, with some particular struggles he's experiencing right now. So just to echo what Andrew said, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's an ongoing day by day effort to try to build those relationships and both for ourselves and with, with our colleagues. And it's affirming in, I guess, some odd way to hear that all of these issues that, uh, you know, our schools across the JSN struggle with. I mean, they're all prevalent and obvious at the at the higher ed level, right? And isn't it isn't it crazy to think, you know, pre-pandemic, the, the, a fall and autumn uh, semester, you know, is always busy, always, always going fast paced. And here we are with all this on top of it. So it's probably a good place to begin this conversation with hearing a little bit more about your study. So we connected uh, with uh, you both. Uh, it was over a year or so ago, I think, and prior to that as well, of course, but about this particular study on character formation. So we're interested in hearing us hearing a little bit about it as we get started. Thank you, Kristen. So as you said, it was over a year ago and the Templeton Foundation put out this call. They were looking for projects that were examining character education and had a particular focus in this call for projects that were going to examine communities of practice. And Andrew and I looked at this call and said, well, character education is something that Catholic schools know quite a bit about. Old person formation, focusing on ethical and moral formation, developing virtues. This is right in the wheelhouse of Catholic schools and Catholic schools are often not schools that other sectors 
look to in this regard. They kind of often kind of write off Catholic schools as, well, they're, they're separate. They're this own unique thing that we really can't learn from. So we entered that call thinking, you know, Catholic schools really would be a good site, a good place to study for this call for projects. And then we said, well, networks of Catholic schools are really particular kinds of communities of practice. If we think of communities of practice as just generally describing we live and learn with and from others, we do that within any school. There, you could consider any school a community of practice. But in a particular way, networks of schools form a unique kind of community of practice. So we said, let's, let's look at character formation in some networks of Catholic schools and uh, develop some resources for educators across sectors, public and private, to learn from these networks. And so Nativity Miguel Coalition and the Two-Way Immersion Network of Catholic Schools and the Jesuit Schools Network were the three networks that we landed on uh, to, to launch this project. Yeah, and I'll add to Martin's comments that the timeliness of it, uh, certainly I think we've started to see things during the pandemic and this opportunity arose, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, um, that schools are weighing big questions of academic excellence, of racial justice, racial equity, as well as socioeconomic justice and socioeconomic equity, and what that looks like in schools alongside well-being, alongside, you know, looking at children um, and students as people, as developing selves. Um, and I think that as we engage in figuring out what character formation and pedagogies of character formation look like across these three networks, knowing that Catholic schools are an opportune site to, to dig into these questions, we realize that we're entering into a time where the concept of character formation is being negotiated across a lot of other things, right? Across conversations about how do we run our school? How do we run our school in the most equitable way, in the most socially just way? Um, and, and that is top of mind for most educators in most schools. And so to talk about character formation, we know that we have to do it in a way that is resonant with what the educators are dealing with. And so I think that Martin and I are both trying to figure that out right now, right? What does that mean? We're going to be asking about pedagogies of character formation, but at a time when a pandemic is still with us, when there is still a lot of uh, uncertainty about what the purpose of schooling should be in this current moment um, and, and how schools are going to organizationally adapt to those changing circumstances. Well, and isn't it also timely just to be thinking about all of those bigger ideas and then the average kind of day-to-day -day thinking or demands of a high school teacher or a middle school teacher um, you know, physics and English and math and um, assembly programs and coming to school on time and all of these kind of kind of regular demands of schooling with the with the bigger ideas here. So we love the chance to to think about that and to learn about uh, it from you. And I would say one of the things that um, I should probably ask you is, so how, how do you define a values based education? Like, what is it? Give us give us a little bit of the language and, and kind of your understanding of what that means. I think we start from a place of all schools are values based at some level, right? No matter what sector, Catholic, private, public, uh, public charter, no matter what kind of school or system within those sectors, there's going to be some value that runs that, that is that is core to the organizational identity of a school, right? So at some level, I mean, you know, as academics, we have the privilege of saying things like all schools are values-based. It's just how they're values-based, right? Now, what that means for schools as they work that out are 
Are they committed to a set of principles that they want to work into their curricular approaches, that they want to work into their instructional approaches? And is there evidence of that, right? Whether it's implicit evidence in terms of uh, social dynamics that can be seen via observation or via, you know, uh, triangulating interviews across multiple different people who uh, give some uh, testimony about what's going on in the school? Or is there more concrete, explicit evidence that can be seen in strategic reports or accreditation documents or student assessments or, or curriculum maps and things like that? So what we're essentially asserting is all education is going to be values-based. It's what kinds of values you bring in. And what we're looking for specifically in terms of character formation, um, we're really letting the schools tell us how they define character formation. So one thing we're not trying to do in our study is to say the only thing that counts as character formation is kind of the philosophical approach to virtue ethics, right? There are a lot of folks out who care about character education who say that character education equals virtue ethics in almost an Aristotelian sense, right? We're not saying that, right? That that is not how we are narrowly defining character formation. The other thing that we could say because we're studying Catholic schools is, okay, well, there's this long tradition in Catholic education of talking about integral human formation, and we can go back to Vatican II documents uh, like Provisimum Educationis and others like it that establish what this means to you know, have formation of the whole self across spiritual and physical and um, uh, mental and emotional domains. And so that kind of formation and how you form the whole self, maybe that's part of it. And all of these things are possible, but we really want the schools to let us know, what does character formation mean to you? And by schools, very importantly, we're not just talking about the teachers and leaders. We're talking about parents. We're talking about students. We want to see a kind of a, a complex set of perspectives on how character formation manifests in this particular community, what this community uh, is working towards. Um, and so we draw on a lot of the traditions, whether it be the virtue ethics tradition or whether it be the uh, integral human formation tradition, to say that here's this thing that happens in schools that are forming uh, students and forming uh, human beings to go out into the world once they leave the school. But what we don't want to do is say, here's the only thing that counts as character formation, because we worry that if we do that, we're going to miss the richness of what's going on in these environments. One thing I'd add to what Andrew just said, I was in a conversation with one of the administrators who's part of this project, and they were weighing out is this something that we want to participate in as a focal school? In the project itself, we're, we're the first year of this project, we have four different schools in the Jesuit network and four in the uh, Nativity Miguel coalition and four in the twin network that we were looking at more intensely to, to ex examine character formation. And this principal said, well, I'm not sure if, if we're going to be a good school for you to look at. We, you know, we don't have an explicit character for character education curriculum that we've adopted in our school. And I said, no, 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 that's, that's precisely the point that many, many, many Catholic schools don't take uh, off the shelf their character formation curriculum and say, okay, from 215 to 245 on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to focus on character formation. And then we're going to go back to arithmetic and to physics rather Character development is built into, as, as Andrew was saying, the, the values of your school and how the rituals of those within your school 
reflect those values, how the practices of discipline, the practices of building the curriculum, uh, the, the kinds of co-curricular activities, and so forth, how that all infuses your school. And then a, a side anecdote to that was another principal said, uh, well, there's someone I'd really, you know, you're talking about maybe talking to different people in our school, you were talking about parents, and you were talking about teachers, but there's this coach. Would you, would you be interested in talking to this coach? This coach is someone I think that really reflects our character, our, our values as a school community and said exactly, like, this is exactly who we want to talk to. Um, and so, yeah, so I just wanted to add that to what Andrew was saying. And I think that's what resonates so deeply with the ideas behind your research with our schools. You know, I think about how um, this idea of evidence, like we're always looking for how do we measure what's special about Jesuit education, things that are just woven into the fabric of the life of our schools, the, 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 the premise of cura personalis and valuing the whole person and the idea that relationships are integral to learning, you know, the relationships between students and faculty and leaders and kind of everyone in the building. And then how do we, how do we live those, those principles in the day to day? And to, so to me, when I hear uh, everything that you just said, that's what I think about. And then I also think about how there just is not a lot of research that exists at our, at the level of, of secondary schooling, you know? And so it's, it's one of the reasons why we were so excited about um, supporting, uh, supporting the research as a network and then also having our schools uh, draw upon all the advantages, you know, and the opportunities that will come from their, their part of your school or their part of your studies. But I do think about what does that look like? You know, what would, if we were, if we were two years from now and we were knee deep into this study, what would the evidence of character formation be from our schools? And that's one of the things that I would imagine listeners considering this will be thinking about. You know, one, one of the thing I, things I, I, I was not educated in Jesuit schools, but since I've been, I did my doctoral work at Boston College and now, of course, I'm on the faculty here. And so I've been around a lot of uh, many friends and colleagues who work in uh, the Jesuit schools network at different schools, as well as just learn a lot more about Jesuit and Ignatian spirituality. And one of the things that I love about it is how slogans, and I don't mean slogans in a pejorative sense, but just, you know, slogans like AMDG, like men and women for others, set the world aflame, how you can go back to those as a way of getting back to first principles, right? You know, they, I, I did an investigation one time of a charter network that developed its own teacher preparation program and kind of the emergence of this teacher preparation program and what they were going to do. And so in order to understand this teacher preparation program, I had to get back to, you know, questions about mission and vision and how this charter manifested itself. And one of the things that they did is very similar to if you go back, you know, to the kind of the Jesuit approach of things that the early Jesuits were doing is, you know, carving out. What does it mean for us to be this new order, for us to have a set of principles and how can we design a set of experiences throughout the course of the kinds of formation that we put together, whether it be schools or, you know, religious training, et cetera, to make this happen. And the fact that, you know, several hundred years down the road, you've got Jesuit schools here in the U.S. who are still interrogating those questions and still saying, well, what does AMDG mean in this context with these students? That's important. But to capture it from a, a, a researcher kind of uh, perspective, we've got to talk to multiple different folks. And so I think that what we expect to see 
is that teachers and leaders, given the intentionality of the Jesuit schools network and how how present, especially in when you talk to these educators, the, the Ignatian ethos is, we expect to see that. We expect to see that there is a there's more facility with Jesuit educators, um, whether at the in the leadership level or in the teaching level, who who can talk about the Ignatian principles behind their work, right? That that I think is something we expect to see. What we're not sure right now, um, and what we hope to explore in more depth is even though there's more facility with these terms and what that looks like and people who can point to things in schools, how does that play out from the student experience, from the uh, parent experience? What does that, what kinds of questions are raised about whether or not you're staying true to your mission and values, given the ability for you to have conversations around this ethos that you all share, right? If there are conversations happening in your school about the grad at grad, which is certainly a conversation that's happened at so many Jesuit schools, um, Jesuit secondary schools, are there ways that you're raising questions internally about the kinds of grads that you have and whether or not the definition of grad at grad, which came from a good place, needs to be revised and what that means for the kind of character formation that you're engaging in um, in an ongoing way? Um, so these are all things that I think we, you know, what we do expect, facility of use with the Ignatian ethos that is so core to what Jesuit schools are doing. But then also what that means in practice, we expect to look very different depending on uh you know, faculty turnover, leadership turnover, uh, demographic changes in student populations. These are all things that once we get into the, the rich case studies of the schools that we're looking at, that there's no way for us to predict, but we could anticipate changing how that uh, the, the one expectation we do have looks like. Just to build from that on one, the, the last point that Andrew is making about the different kinds of evidence and the case studies that we're creating in this project. One of the unique aspects is the case studies that we're creating are these multimedia case studies. And so it's not going to be a text written that is a linear, you know, start at the beginning and move through it and here's the case. Rather, the case studies are going to in, in integrate uh, visuals and audio and video and, a, and an online platform so that you can engage with the cases of each network to learn about character formation in the Jesuit school network, in the Nativity Miguel Coalition, in the twin network. And educators from each of those networks are going to be central in editing and refining those case studies. And we're going to then use those case studies with small groups of educators to teach them more about, hey, this is some, this is how you can learn more about character formation in these networks, and then refine them based on the feedback. So it's going to be a very iterative process of really unpacking how do we understand character formation? How is it understood by the educators in each of these networks? And the, the parents as well, and the different people that are involved in the community. I mean, that's, it's so interesting what you said, uh, Andrew, you know, thinking about how the ideas, the ideals of Ignatian spirituality are at the core of our mission, you know, of all of the, the educators and the leaders within our, our schooling, how it's lived differently, and then how it also might be understood differently, depending on your roles um, within the community. So just what, just the learning that can come is, is exciting. So when you're thinking about, when we're thinking about like Jesuit schools learning and growing um, from, from other schools in terms of values or character formation. Some thoughts that came to my mind on that were that 
All right. Jesuit schools, they've got their charism. They've got the mission, espoused values, rituals, and so forth. But Jesuit schools can learn from other Catholic schools um, how they apply a philosophy of Catholic education. So my children go to a Cincinnati Dominican school, and they have uh, these espoused values that are slightly different. They talk about truth and compassion and justice and community and partnership. So some of those rhyme with or overlap directly with what might be talked about down down the road at the Jesuit high school, which they could have gone to, but some are slightly different. And so Jesuit schools, I think, can learn from other Catholic schools in that manner. And some of this work, I think, will provide that space for the participants in the professional learning communities to, to, to look across these networks. I think the Jesuit schools can also learn from other networks of schools. So the, being networked, I think, is another aspect that's exciting for us to see how how is the networking happening within Jesuit network versus Nativity Miguel versus Twin. One of the things that uh, Martin and I, as organizational researchers, often get frustrated by is when people treat the Catholic sector as if it's a single thing, right? First of all, there's a big gap in the experience of Catholic elementary, middle school, secondary schools, which is why we're very intentionally looking at three different networks. And there's a big difference in how mission gets played out, whether they're part of a network like JSN and the schools that are connected to JSN, whether they're part of a looser coalition, whether they're schools that are participating in programming like the twin network that Martin mentioned that are still parish schools in many cases or schools that have uh, boards of limited jurisdiction that are more independent and they're part of this twin network. Um, And so what we're trying to say is even though Catholic schooling is necessarily not just one thing, right? You know, that's that's kind of a, a premise. There's a lot of ways that schools organize differently and govern differently can have that cross learning. Um, and I think that it, Martin has, has expressed it well, is baked into the premise of this study is that there are these opportunities despite the heterogeneity of, of Catholic school organizational forms. Well, and a reminder for all of us too, to, um, of the value of learning from people who are not in our own world. You know, I think all of us get uh, stuck be it in a department or a building or a province, you know, or a network for that matter, kind of learning from your own. And so the gift of getting to see the way other other Catholic networks embody embody these values. I mean, that's that's right on. And that speaks to really the, the work and the value of, of mission-centered education. And I want to circle back to something that you had um, mentioned previously. So so what about the idea of this particular study at this moment in time? You know, as we as we spoke about in the beginning, the idea of post-pandemic, if we are there, actually, um, why is this important right now? I think there's multiple intersecting crises that we're experiencing. Fragility of our pluralistic democracy is something that's top of mind. The health of our climate and the ecosystem is one of these crises. When we think of refugees, whether that's political refugees or whether that's climate refugees, this is a huge worldwide struggle. Andrew mentioned racism. We think of xenophobia. We think of ableism. There's so many different ways in which our biases and our prejudices are affecting all of society right now. And we think about, you could even call it an epistemological crisis, like how do we know what, what is true? And what There's fake news and, and there's competing visions of what is real. To educate in this context, whether you're thinking about this as a student, whether you're 
think about this as a teacher or administrator, where you think about this for your own kiddos as a parent, as I think about it, it's uh, the, the role of schools in this particular time, it, it can't be understated how important it is to create space for our youth to grow and mature amidst these intersecting crises. And certainly people need information, they need knowledge, but they need to know how to think about that knowledge and how to react to that knowledge. This is what Andrew was saying earlier, it's not just the mind, but it's the body and the spirit. And Catholic schools have a particular gift to offer educators across sectors. Because Catholic schools with a clear, articulate philosophy of education that does not limit the role of education to just intellectual development, but says explicitly and in a, in a full-throated embrace of this uh, that, that people are more than just their minds. That they're, and it's more than just a social-emotional well-being as well. That there are core values and a meaning and purpose in life, and you need to explore that. That's all part of your formation. So at this particular moment, that, that's what comes to my mind of why this is so important. I think you're seeing a lot of teachers and leaders who have been not listened to across all sectors for, you know, at least the past couple of decades, if not, you know, perpetually in the way that U.S. schooling has, has developed over the course of several years, where teachers and leaders will tell you, right, we, we can't do everything, or we can't save society by ourselves, right? And so what we can do is work with the children and the students who are in front of us, right, to work on formation with those students, to, to form them in certain ways, to make really hard decisions about how to provide an, an educative environment, a holistic formative environment for those students. And I think what Catholic schools have access to is a particular way of doing that. And I think what we're hoping to explore in the Jesuit Schools Network and in the other two networks is how in this particular moment, when the, the burdens of schooling are increasing, right, the burdens on educators in schools are increasing because, you know, lots of other parts of society, as Martin has just mentioned, are not ideal and not optimal. And one of the things that almost all children have access to in the U.S. at least is, is a school. Um, and so the school is then put the, the burden of that kind of formation, that kind of experience is then put on the school. Well, here are Catholic schools that have certain calls, certain expectation about what's going to happen. Is it happening? Right. And so we, we don't want to force a, you know, like there's a necessary developmental trajectory of here's what bad character formation in Catholic schools looks like. Here's what good character formation looks like. But there are going to be different points about schools who we know what we're supposed to be doing. Are we doing it right? That might be one of the schools that we run into. Right. And in this moment, why is it necessary for us to do character formation the way that we're doing it? We might come across a school in, in one of the networks that says, this is an awful time for our parents and students, right? We've had students who have, you know, been victims of the injustices in the U.S. We have students whose families have died because of the pandemic or other reasons. And we don't know how to best meet their needs. What resources can we draw, right? You know, what about what we do can, can talk about 
fortitude and resiliency or other types of character traits, right? And so we might go into a school that's trying to figure it out because of the moment, right? So you've got schools that are trying to meet the moment given what their tradition is and they know it explicitly and schools that are in this moment and they're not sure what to do, but they know that they need to do something because of the moment. Both of those are possible and we wanna kind of go in and say, here's a thing that you're called to, how are you called to do it? How is it playing out? And I think that it's uh, it's, it's an, it, an admission on our parts that schools can't do everything, but one of the things they can do is character formation. So if that's the case, what are these particular uh, networks and schools doing? You know, I find listening to you both um, inspiring, you know, thinking about there's been so many conversations in our schools about the pandemic and all of the stripping back of layers and the um, the exposing of inequities that that everyone in our, you know, in our, our world and in our schools in particular have have been wrestling with. And, and the way that you say, you know, the burdens in, of schooling are increasing now. Um, I, I love the idea that we are more than our minds, I think that speaks so clearly to that question of, of what is special about Jesuit education. And, and especially I find inspiring and motivating, you know, as someone who spent my career in Jesuit secondary schools, um, that the idea of creating space, as Andrew said, for youth to grow um, and to mature amidst, amid all of these crises, I mean, that is if I had to, if I had to clearly define what the greatest challenge of the day is, that would be it. So you said it, you said it better than than we could have. So, so again, the the research here uh, could not be more timely for for real life educators, um, and we're we're thrilled to be a part of it. I'm also excited to think about what we might learn at the JSN from the other networks that are involved. This idea of networks and of uh, points of connection and learning uh, is exciting, and I think I think. Uh, we are wide open to what that learning might be. So tell us a little bit about, as we start to conclude here, tell us a little bit about the next steps. So what's, where are you and, and uh, where are you in the process and what's coming next? So in the process, we're in the first year of a three-year grant. And during this year, we're taking a deep dive into schools in each of these three networks and really trying to build these multimedia case studies over this first year. So we're, we're creating portfolios of each school uh, or per network, and we're doing site visits to these schools and uh, doing the groundwork for these multimedia case studies. Next summer, we're going to be bringing together representatives from those focal schools in refining the case studies and a curriculum for virtual professional learning communities. And those virtual PLCs are going to happen during years two and three, where we have members from all three networks, teachers and administrators from all three networks invited to participate to learn with and from one another about character formation across the different networks. Um, and then out of that process, we're also going to be then refining those case studies and refining the PLC curriculum. The upshot at the end of this, we hope to have some resources to serve Catholic schools uh, within each network, to serve Catholic schools beyond these networks, and to serve educators who are interested in character formation across sectors, they be that in a secular setting or in another private school setting. So that's kind of where we are.
Well, we have to thank you both. We thank you for asking us to be a part of it. We are thrilled to support uh, in, in whatever way we can. We're especially thrilled to benefit from the learnings that will come from your research. So we, we thank you both for being a part of this today. Thank you so much. We're really thrilled to be working with you and with the different Jesuit schools. And as you said, connecting across these different uh, school networks, because that's such a unique opportunity to, as you were saying earlier, for the Jesuit schools to, to learn from the other schools as well as for, for us to learn from you. Yeah. Th thank you so much, Kristen, um, for having us. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just incredible to, you know, actually get to do something like this and, and to work in partnership with you. As I mentioned briefly, you know, just know so many uh, folks who are uh, teachers and leaders in Jesuit schools. And, um, you know, I've learned so much from them, especially as I've gone on this path of, you know, investigating Catholic school leadership. Um, and now I get to do it in a, in a more concrete way. And so, you know, thank you to Martin for bringing me into this study and uh, uh, for, for you to have us here today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nation Inquiry podcast. Additional information on Dr. Miller and Dr. Scanlon's research, along with their contact information, can be found on JSN's website at www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org slash ignatian-inquiry-podcast. The Ignatian Inquiry podcast is hosted by Kristen Smith and Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Smith and directed by Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. To learn more about the Jesuit Schools Network, please visit www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org. Stay curious and set the world on fire.